0: This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that knows it ain't too early and it ain't too late to learn about history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about Oklahoma, the classic Broadway show that took stage musicals about as far as they could go and then went further still. The day was March 31st, 1943. Rodgers and Hammerstein's groundbreaking musical Oklahoma opened on Broadway at St. James Theatre. The show was the first significant collaboration between the now legendary songwriting duo of composer Richard Rodgers and lyricist Oscar Hammerstein II. And looking back, they pretty much nailed it right out of the gate. Oklahoma was a massive hit and went on to run for more than 2,000 performances. In the two decades that followed, Rodgers and Hammerstein would write eight more Broadway shows together, including other classics of the Golden Age such as Carousel, The King and I, and The Sound of Music. But it was the duo's first show that had the deepest and longest-lasting effect on American musical theater. Oklahoma introduced several new storytelling techniques to stage production, most notably the use of song and dance to advance the plot and to develop the characters. That's not to say that previous musicals didn't have complex characters and compelling stories. Some certainly did but those elements were generally conveyed through non-musical scenes, with the song and dance numbers serving mostly as fun, separate diversions between story points. Oklahoma took a different approach, firmly integrating the songs into the show's plot and creating a new form of musical theater in the process. With all this emphasis on story, you might expect Oklahoma to have an intricate plotline, but it's actually about as basic a story as you can get. It's based on a 1931 play by Lynn Riggs called Green Grow the Lilacs, which appeared on Broadway itself that same year. And it's basically a frontier love story. It takes place in, you guessed it, Nebraska. No, Oklahoma, at the turn of the 20th century, just before the territory joined the Union. The main plot follows Curly McLean, a charming but cocky cowboy, as he tries, sometimes a little too hard, to win the heart of an independent young farm girl named Lori Williams. Standing in his way is Jud Fry, an ill-tempered farmhand with a mysterious past who develops a potentially dangerous obsession with Lori. Only one of them can have the honor of escorting her to the box social dance. Who's it going to be? No spoilers here, but you can probably guess. Every Broadway show is a big financial risk, but in 1942, the show that would become Oklahoma was considered especially risky. For starters, although Rogers and Hammerstein had had some success in their own careers, they were unproven as partners, having only worked together briefly during their time at Columbia University 20 years earlier. There was also the matter of the source material. Green Grow the Lilacs wasn't exactly well known and it had only been a mild success on Broadway. Plus, cowboys and farmhands seemed a little passé for a big New York show. Then there was the fact that no big-name stars were involved in the production. The cast were talented singers, and many of them, Alfred Drake, Joan Roberts, Howard De Silva, Celeste Holm, went on to become stage legends. But in the early 1940s, they were all relatively unknown another potential sign that the show might be a flop. However, by far, the riskiest thing about Oklahoma was the choice to tell its story through the songs and choreography instead of just between them. To help accomplish this experiment, Hammerstein bucked convention and wrote the song lyrics first, before Rodgers had composed the music. This allowed him to fully develop the show's concept without music dictating the moods or themes of the story. Instead, the words themselves would set the tone of the show. This proved to be the right approach for the duo. For example, it reportedly took Hammerstein about three weeks to write the lyrics for the show's joyful opening number, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. But once Rogers read the words, he understood the song so perfectly that writing the music only took him ten minutes or as he later put it, as long to compose it as to play it. And here is Alfred Drake singing Hammerstein's words to Roger's music. The corn is as high as the elephant's eye And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky Another strong creative choice was hiring relative newcomer Agnes DeMille to choreograph the show. She was hired on the strength of her work in Rodeo, a western-themed ballet for which she did the choreography. DeMille was up to the challenge of integrating dance into the musical storyline, and the best example of this is probably the show's famous dream ballet sequence. Here, well-trained dancers stand in for the lead actors, and through their movements alone, the audience is given a vivid glimpse into Lori's emotional turmoil. Even though no one is speaking or singing, the dance sequence isn't a break from the story. It's part of it. DeMille broke new ground even before production began. During tryouts for Oklahoma, she insisted that the show's dancers be hired for their abilities rather than for their good looks. According to gossip columnist Walter Winchell, that decision prompted one producer to predict the show would fail, saying, quote, No legs, no jokes, no chance. The musical was originally titled Away We Go. It opened for a brief trial run at New Haven's Schubert Theater in early March of 1943. After a tepid response from critics, the show was further developed and at least one new song was added. By the time the musical opened on Broadway, on March 31, 1943, the title had been changed to reflect that new show-stopping number, Oklahoma. Take a listen. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. And the waven of wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. Oak, Oklahoma every night, my honey lamb and I sit alone and talk, and watch a hawk making lazy circles in the sky. In the end, the risky elements of Oklahoma wound up being the show's greatest strengths, Audiences fell in love with this new kind of integrated musical, one where all the theatrical elements blended together in service of the storytelling. Agnes DeMille later recalled the audience reaction on opening night, right after, "Oh, what a beautiful morning had finished." She said, quote, "It produced a sigh from the entire house that "I don’t think I’ve ever heard in the theater. It was just "Ah." It was perfectly lovely and deeply felt. The musical was a landmark success and went on to have a record-setting run of 2,212 performances over the course of almost five years. Movie studios had tried to secure the film rights to Oklahoma right away, but Rodgers and Hammerstein didn't want the movie version to compete with the stage show. The long Broadway run delayed the film, and the subsequent tours and revivals pushed the project back even further. Eventually, though, Oklahoma finally took a break from the stage, and in 1955, a faithful film adaptation debuted in theaters. It was nearly as big a hit as the original show, and now stands as a classic in its own right. Before we go, there's one more Oklahoma innovation that I should mention. It was the first American musical to release an original cast recording. The project was overseen by Jack Knapp, the founder of Decca Records, and presumably a very patient man. He was responsible for gathering the show's entire original cast, chorus, orchestra, and conductor, and then putting them in a studio to record almost an entire Broadway show, for the first time ever. Prior to Oklahoma, only certain songs from famous musicals had ever made their way onto records, and even then, the album versions were recorded by famous singers of the day, not by the actual cast. That all changed after the release of the multi-record Oklahoma set in December of 1944. It was an immediate success, selling 125,000 copies in the first month alone. From that point on, original cast recordings became a standard feature of Broadway shows, helping to preserve the history of musical theater while also exposing the musicals to a wider audience. The original 1943 cast recording of Oklahoma is now part of U.S. history as well. It was added to the National Registry in 2003 as a work of endearing importance to American culture. Not bad for a musical that supposedly had no legs. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. Special thanks to Oklahoma native Stackum Steve Sidwell for suggesting the topic of today's show. Hope you have a beautiful morning, Steve. And if anyone else has a historical topic they'd like to hear on the show, don't be shy. You can send your suggestions to this day at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.